I'm going to go bold and say this. All women, and I do believe all men, love when their partner can say that they're hurt or they can say that they're angry or they can say that they're feeling shame and not blame the other person. It, it, that's what creates an everlasting unfoldment of a greater love life, more romance, more beauty. Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Ah, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the New Wave Entrepreneur. Daniel Piazza checking in with you here, and I'm so happy to have you. You know, I love this show, and I love that we get to talk about all different concepts. You know, we talk about everything from Web3 and business and crypto and, you know, startups to, to psychedelics to martial arts to everything in between. And today is a really interesting uh, deep dive because we're talking again with my friend Chris Stoikos. This is our series inside of a series. We call it The Gift of the Gap. This is a little pilot or test series that I did with my friend Chris Stoikos back at the end of 2021. And it is a conversation between two men deeply interested in what happens uh, behind the behind the eyes and in the brain and in the spirit. And in this in this episode, we're actually talking about emotional vulnerability, specifically in relationships. I think this concept is so important, especially for men. Men are taught the world over, no matter where you're listening to this in the world, if you're a man, you were taught probably to shut down your emotions. You're probably taught to hide your emotions. You're probably taught that you shouldn't feel. You're probably taught that you shouldn't cry. And you probably brought that into some of your relationships with, uh, with women, uh, with other men, or with yourself certainly with one of those groups. And it's time to destigmatize that. You know, this is a big concept I've talked about over the past three episodes with Chris, destigmatizing things that are looked upon as shameful in society. And certainly emotional vulnerability is one of those things that should be cherished and championed, not stigmatized, shamed, or uh, forgotten. So dig into this episode with Chris and I. I really think you're going to like it. If you want to see all the stuff I've done with Chris plus everything else, make sure you check out newwaveentrepreneur.com where we have updates on all the workshops we're hosting, where we have free guides to help you with crypto, productivity, and everything else in life. And of course, make sure you subscribe and, uh, and, and leave a comment and a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Audible, or the like. All right, much love, guys. Let's jump in. If you were watching behind the scenes, you know that uh, Chris and I have already taken our gap. We've already uh, spent the last 45 minutes just breathing into the mic for each other. Uh, I'm I'm so charged up right now that I have to just spin off some of this energy uh, to you guys. Welcome back to The Gift of the Gap. Checking in with you, the one and only Daniel DiPiazza and my illustrious partner in crime. Chris Stoikos, what up? Don't don't forget that your middle name is Angelo, and we right. need to know this. Bring bring it on, man! Christopher Angelo Stoikos in the flesh. <sighs> that that sounds like a cross between a venture capitalist and a ninja turtle, if I've ever heard one. I think that's exactly the roots of my name. 
you know, it's interesting today. We have, we've had these, uh, these next 10 episodes planned out for a few weeks now. And, um, the, the topic today is all about relationships and vulnerability. And just before this, uh, call, I was having a conversation with Sarah where we were kind of just like working through, I wouldn't even call them uh, disagreements because we were able to come to a very nice, uh, kind of like, um, you know, realization on, on our ends around this, this talking point. But, um, Definitely, it was a, it was a chance for me right before the show to be vulnerable, to speak some truth about how I felt and what was going on with me, and to hear and to receive. And so it opened me wide up for this. You also expressed that you have some things to talk about on this episode. So um, you know, I can't wait to dig into this with you, man. Hundred percent, man. This is um, a cool, deep topic that can go a lot of different ways. So let's do what we do best and flow with no agenda, and, and start from there. I love it. And for anyone who's watching, this is uh, this is definitely just iced coffee. There's nothing else but caffeine in here. Just, I know it looks a little, it looks like a whiskey. <laughs> for okay, my, so my fancy looking beer, I've been getting <laughs> these, dude. These hop teas. It's, it's only tea, but it looks like beer, and it kind of tastes like one. Oh, you're gonna be brewing your own soon, I don't doubt. Mm. And by the way, I was talking to Sarah today, and she, I said, I, I really want you to meet Chris. I think you'll love him, and he makes his own almond milk. And I slipped up because I told her earlier about your macadamia nut milk, and she said. Yeah. First, she said, stop. It's macadamia nut milk. Get with the program. 100% so get with it. She's on, she's, on your, uh, she's on your wavelength. Okay, now now when we were going over these topics earlier, you were the one that suggested uh, relationships and vulnerability. So why don't you open it up? Why, why are we talking about this? Why is it important? <sighs> going right in for some breath before I even touch that one. So give me a yep. moment. I'll I'll start by speaking and say, as men, what I believe a lot of us crave with the woman that we're with is incredible sex. Oh, you went there right away. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say something totally different. Cool. (laughs) Go for it. Okay, I'm, I'm uh, here. Dude, I closed my eyes, breathed into it, and I said, let it come through. That's what you came back with? I'm okay. Not, I'm not wasting any time. <laughs> um, and before I go any further, I'll, I'll give a shout out to uh, shout out to polygamous relationships, shout out to same-sex relationships, shout out to multiple partners, shout out to man-on-man, woman-on-woman and all the different combinations. I don't have experience in any of those, so I'm just speaking man to woman that lane. So what I feel is pretty true with almost every relationship is that when a relationship starts, making love is magical. You come out of the gates flying, both partners are bringing their, you know, their best self to the table and it's easy. It's the chemistry's there, the fireworks is there. Um, the fireworks are there and, and things are awesome. In my experience, what has that fade is when both partners aren't willing to grow and have as one of their main intentions in their relationship to expand their consciousness together. So what is not present when a relationship starts off are, are all, all the gunk underneath, all the stuff in the subconscious, all the, the patterning, childhood imprints, 
imprints from society, uh, topics, you know, that, that come up, the, the romance we see that has Hollywood portrays it, mm-hmm. pornography, um, deep, lustful, incredible sexual desires. It's like all of that is tucked away. And then when the intimacy starts off with a bang, it's beautiful. And then that stuff starts to come up later. So what is mandatory that I've learned is that both partners have to be willing to grow together and look at all of their stuff coming up. Now, the title of this episode, Vulnerable Intimacy, is because in my experience, it was very tough for me to be vulnerable with the pain that was coming up inside of me when my relationship started out. I took on a lot of macho masculine programming, which not in any kind of victim way else. It was, it was in my karmic line, whatever I did in my past lives, my dharma that I'm aligning with this life, different things that had to happen. I, I came into this life with it and I took on a lot of macho masculine programming. You know, the, swearing is cool crush beers with the boys when you fight in a hockey game you're the biggest legend ever shaming others is cool like all this stuff that i've now seen to be very backwards and when you have those layers of programming on you it can be very tough to open up to a woman and say wow i feel so hurt right now by what happened and not feel embarrassed To be able to feel safe enough with your partner to say what's coming up and not label yourself or let other people label you as, wow, man, you're a fucking pussy. You told her that? Who who says that, man? Toughen up. Hey, toughen up, dude. You know, get strong. Bury Bury that emotion in the back. Keep going. Put your head down. Put your nose to the grindstone. All those kind of tough guy masculine sayings that the complete opposite is being able to get completely in touch with what you're feeling and not speak your truth as some people call it. Like there's two spectrums. I think one is you don't say anything and you suppress what's coming up. And two is you speak your truth as the truth. I don't believe that your truth or my truth is the truth. It's your experience. So when you can speak from your experience inside of what you are going through, in a calm, beautiful way that your partner can receive to know where you're at and then hear her experience, you can rise to higher ground together. Looping this all the way back to one of the most beautiful things in a relationship is being able to have epic romantic intimacy, having a love life that is forever expanding, which comes from everything I summarized there, being in place and both partners being willing to roll with it. Okay. Now, now let me ask you something that comes to mind as you're speaking this, because I've also like, you know, just for some context on, on my relationship, you know, Sarah and I, I feel like we, get, we bring good perspective to this because you are a, a father to two beautiful, beautiful girls. You know, I'm also married. Sarah and I have been together for this coming year. We are 12th year. So like we have a depth of experience, you know, um, when I met Sarah, uh, we were just talking about this yesterday, yesterday, uh, she was she was 17 going on 18 uh, and I was 22 and now I'm 33 uh, she's 29 so that's there's been a lot of growth in that period and you know the the years don't tell the full story because in a decade plus period especially in the formative years you live many lifetimes and you are many people in those years and so you're growing together 
uh, sometimes if you're in a relationship early, you actually grow apart because the person that you were even two or three years ago, as we've discussed in earlier podcasts, is completely different. You're totally different. You know, you change. And, um, you know, having uh, we've been through, you know, a lot of difficult times. Uh, we've gone to therapy. We've done, uh, you know, we've had different experiences of communication breakdowns, communication uh, buildups, all these different things. And I want to know, like, if you're doing the work on yourself to be more expansive, uh, is it is it that both partners must come together on the work simultaneously or that the work can be happening at different intervals depending on who you are and eventually you'll find that common ground? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. I don't believe there's a perfect formula and I do believe that both instances of what you said there can occur because when partners come together, they can both come with completely different sets of baggage. One might have a lot more trauma than the other. What's important, I believe, for the partners to work on together is stuff that is coming up between them. I personally brought a lot of baggage and trauma to my relationship that had to do with my family from my childhood. A lot of that was coming up with my family in my relationship and had nothing to do with Catherine, my partner. I brought it in often. She's such a magnificent healer and listener and helped me heal a lot of it, but it was draining to our relationship, to our dynamic, to our chemistry. So we've both done therapy on our own. We've done therapy together. Um, we've done cool forms of consciousness expansion through working with different coaches and spiritual teachers. So yes, it depends where both partners are at. I'm 33 years old. Catherine's 43. She's 10 years older than me and she had done a lot of healing in her 30s, which is incredible that she brought that stability to our relationship while I cycled through a lot of stuff over these last few years. So now we're, we're pretty aware of when something comes up to say, hey, I have, a, I have a feeling to tell you about. I have an experience to share that's between you and me. Can we talk about it? And if it's something coming up in my field that has nothing to do with her or vice versa, we've gotten good at saying, hey... Can you take the children for a bit? I need to go take some space and work through something that I don't want to bring into your field so that you keep the the space in between the couple. When the couple's too close, there's no space for chemistry. When the couple's too far apart, there's there's no love. You want to be right here so that you can kind of dance with each other and keeping that at a nice, healthy distance, the gift of this gap, is where I believe the magic happens. Ooh, okay. So the image that that I'm that I'm seeing right there is really uh, two magnets, you know. And magnets really are only creating that strong sense of uh, physical attraction when they're within uh, range of each other, but they're not too far apart and they're not completely pressed upon each other. Isn't that what you're referring to? Identical, perfect analogy. That's really interesting. So, okay, I didn't know that Cat uh, was ten years older than you. Um, Man, she looks great. She, she, you know, it must be the glow, dude. She, um, I didn't know when I met her either. I was blown away after she told me. It took me for a curveball to be like, "Wow, am I gonna date a woman who's got this this kind of age on me?" And we've worked through that gap. That that's you know, in today's society, age can be a big mental thing, but it's just an illusion, I think. Yeah, well, and I would imagine that she, I, I, I think I could put this out there confidently and saying that in many cases. Women are, they just offer a different type of relational wisdom than men have. Uh, they're just, uh, they're tapped in in a way that, you know, it's not to, to disparage men. We have our own gifts, but women are just, uh, you know, because of intuition, because of the fact that they're 
literally the creator of our species because of the fact that they're very adept at at subtle communication, um, which men are more coarse, I feel like, in our communication. It's like gross output, gross input. You said this, so that, you know, XY equals Z, Y equals MX plus B. And there's no room for, you know, here's the contract. And women are much more subtle. Well, I felt this, they said this, but I think that that was what they meant. And did, did Kat come to the relationship, you know, and did you feel like she was almost a teacher to you in that way? Dude, such a good question. I'm going to go for a minor segue before I answer that. Yeah, yeah. There's a song by a, a group called The Outfield. Uh, they're either a 70s or 80s band, and the song's called Your Love. And one of the first lines of the song says, you know I like my women a little bit older. And that's like our jam, dude. We attracted that jam when we started dating. And uh, so shout out to anyone who's you know dating an older woman, an older woman. Check that song out. But yes, of course, she brought an incredible amount of wisdom to our relationship. She had been having a, a steady awakening of expanding her consciousness over the course of 20 years. I basically went zero to 100 overnight on plant medicine and it, it happened yeah. like that. And there was so much stuff from how high I went that I was having trouble integrating and communicating. And yeah, dude, well, she's a certified EFT coach. She won a medal in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, she wrote a book. She dealt with her whole, whole own slew of um, emotional turbulence and, and different things that she had to work through on her journey. So when she brought that to the relationship, it was like, man, the the safest most beautiful nurturing relationship I had ever entered in my life. And yeah, man, we, we didn't wait long um, to get married and, and have children because we knew it was right. So it's a bit of the personal background on that front. No, I mean, it makes, it makes complete sense. And, and I guess, you know, one thing I'd say, just bringing it back to the, the crux of this, and I know that we're going to have both men and women listening to this, this show, you know, when it comes to, intimacy and vulnerability in relationships what are some of the what are some of the you know if you'd be willing to share some of the things that you really had to work through to get to the point where you could be more vulnerable 100 percent. my biggest one was the fear of being judged or shamed for having an emotion for no reason so i mm. would experience big emotions coming up in the relationship that i didn't know where they were coming from or why i was so triggered by something so small that she did and i would retreat inside i would go in my head i would either hide like what what's a specific of, example um the degree of jealousy that came up if she ever mentioned a past partner of hers even that was now a friend the slightest mention was such a trigger for me it brought up feeling in my childhood, I grew up feeling very special. That I had the, the special syndrome in my household. So oh, you're special. You're special, yeah. Christopher's so unique. This guy's this and that. So when it, it hit me like, whoa, she's been with somebody else? I'm not special. But I couldn't – now I'm able to identify where it was coming from. But I would beat myself up and go, dude, take it easy, man. That, that relationship of hers was 15 years ago. Like <laughs> – why are you mad? And then, oh my gosh, why am I mad? Whoa, what the hell's wrong with me? I don't know how to mention this to her. Am I going to say this to her? And I'm like emotionally shut down, turned off, looping in my head. So that as one example, I eventually got to the place where I was able to be like, hey, babe, I'm so triggered right now that 
you mentioned that guy's name, I feel this array of anger and frustration. And underneath, I know there's sadness, but I can't even get in touch with the sadness. Mm-hmm. Thank you for hearing where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And that's where languaging something like that is so delicate so that you don't project back onto your partner, making them seem like they did something wrong. There's no right or wrong in this game. There are only experiences. And when you can get in touch with the experience you're having, the way I am giving this example of how I got in touch, it can start off by saying as simple as, hey, when you mentioned that guy's name, I don't know exactly why or where it's coming from, but I feel really hurt. And for me, the number one emotion that would come up is embarrassment. That's where that voice inside my head would go, dude, just be better than that guy. Go in the bedroom and and show her her a session of lovemaking that she's never had in her life. Go drink a beer and, and, you know, close her off a little bit. Play, play hard to get and she'll come back after you. Those mm-hmm. I think are all the emotional love holding, drawing your heart back tactics that people do when they're hurt. The paradox is, I'm going to go bold and say this, all women and I do believe all men love when their partner can say that they're hurt or they can say that they're angry or they can say that they're feeling shame and not blame the other person. It, it, that's what creates the, an everlasting unfoldment of a greater love life, more romance, more beauty. Every date is like your first, every date can be like your first one by growing that muscle together to establish a partner that you can have for life. Oh man. I mean, you're not lying. And I actually think that, I think that women have an easier time admitting when they're hurt personally. And maybe an easier time identifying. I mean, you know, just talking about uh, my relationship with Sarah, I think that she's always had a very keen understanding of like her own emotional compass. Whereas for me, you know, similar to what you're saying, I would feel an emotion around something that was done. Um, So, you know, like early in our relationship, you know, like we both cheated on each other early in the relationship and I would feel hurt about that. But then I would put on the, I would put on the everything is okay face because I wanted to create the feeling of having everything together, both as a projection of strength and also an inability to communicate. You know, when I was when I was a kid, I was raised by just one parent, just my mom, and one of her ways of dealing with things was to create a completely a completely strong facade of impenetrability. Like, can't hurt me, everything's fine, you know, you're not gonna see me crack. And there's a benefit to that, but there's also a strong and a sharp drawback to that as well. And I think that I modeled that growing up. And over the years, as I've noticed uh, my myself feeling almost toxic inside at times because I would repress and uh, cycle through that emotion internally without expressing it. Um, it's almost like when you're in a plane, it's all recirculated air. <laughs> you know, it's all just it's all just toxic old air. And over a period of years, I started to feel so sick uh, with my own emotional poisoning Um and I had no way of expressing these emotions because I thought that even showing the slightest amount of weakness or showing that I was hurt would make me uh, lesser. You know, it took a complete breakdown in my myself, in the relationship, in my uh, in my in my construct of what was what was right for me to fully realize. Oh, it's very very simple. If you're hurt, say you're hurt. You know, and and you know, if you're feeling something, express it from there because there's no way that you can heal it unless you feel it. Oh, that is so beautifully said, Daniel. I I feel that I know from my childhood, the reason that I was scared to admit I was hurt and appear lesser 
is because when I appeared hurt in my childhood and I was vulnerable about it in different ways, and this is childhood, sometimes at home, sometimes on the playground at school, sometimes playing on hockey teams, people can take advantage of you. Oh, yeah. That's normally what happens when somebody exposes a big fear, when somebody exposes a big hurt. If you're exposing it to the, the, the person that's not, not a safe place to do that, and you, you open up and then you get hurt more, that's what I feel creates the facade that I'm going to show up like I'm okay, even when I feel emotionally poisoned inside and, and in so much pain. So this is why it's good to have meetings with your partner and establish these structures of communication before they happen or let them happen 10 times and have the emotional fights back and forth and then say, hey, can we have a talk for a second? When you're in a good space, let's go for a gift of the gap right now and then I want to continue. Okay, that's all I need to do it. I need to go back in. This is flowing so big right now. So for anyone listening, here's what you can do right after you listen to this podcast. You can, men, you can go up to your woman, women, you can go up to your man and out of nowhere, out of left field, make sure you're in a good place together. Like there's just, there's nothing to be dealt with emotionally in the background. You know, you're in your normal kind of day. Go take each other's hands, put your hands out and say, Hey, can you hold my hands for a moment and make an agreement with each other and say, anytime one of us is hurt from now on. Do you want to make a promise to each other, looking into each other's eyes, that we will be a safe place for one another to be able to express what we're feeling without ever making each other wrong for what we are feeling so that anytime you and I have ever been hurt from anywhere in our past, from anyone that we've come across, we don't have to deal with that ever again because we'll have each other. Make that agreement with each other and you might have to remake it a few times because then the real safety is set and the nervous system and will start to really go, oh my gosh, I can get rid of this shame I've had buried down inside of me for, for decades. But the red carpet will be paved out and an entirely new relationship can be born from that simple hand-holding, eye-to-eye contact, beautiful agreement. And when safety is there, especially for the woman, one side of the safety for her to be able to feel safe expressing why she's hurt or something that's going on in her world without being judged is one. And two, knowing that she's now going to be with a man that is not going to emotionally shame her, close off or go in his head. He's just going to be vulnerable and intimate. Those two pillars of safety, in my experience, will open up the woman sexually and intimately like never before because she now feels safe that she cannot be hurt by the man that she's with. Yeah, I mean, if you were to take it literally, you, you know, if you're literally penetrating someone, that's the deepest level of disclosure and of, you know, opening. And so how can you expect true depth at the very primal level if there's no safety? I mean, you you can still have good sexual experiences, but I think that when there's the, when there's that, the, the last layer of, of the the last filter, the last layer of sludge, the last you know the last barrier is removed. It just creates a whole new context for the lovemaking. You know, it really does. And I, you know, um, 
I can just speak from my own experience, just like having gotten to the place with Sarah where everything is everything is out on the table has been the most healing, you know, uh, profound experience. And, it, you know, I think it just it took me years into the relationship to really get to the point where I was able to to do this. You know, I, I'm not really I'm not ashamed to say it, but I'm almost astonished that over, you know, now 2000, 2022 will be our 12th year. So it took me probably seven years into the relationship to truly open up and to be able to be 100% honest, be 100% myself, be 100% emotionally available. Even just when she would ask questions like, um, you know, because Sarah has has historically always wanted to like know where we are in the relationship. So she would say things to me like, you know, how are we doing right now? You know, uh, you know, how do you feel about the relationship? And and those questions used to always like almost annoy me and perturb me. Like, what do you mean we're fine? Like, it's all good. Can't you see it's good? Like, look what we're look what look at all the money I've been making. Look at the house that we live in. Look at can't you see it's good? You're in a Tesla. Shut up. But that wasn't what she was asking. You know, um, and and now I actually receive those questions. And I initiate those questions as well. And it comes from a different place because I actually want to check in. Whereas I think a lot of men are scared to check in because that means they're going to have to do an inventory. And that's scary. Dude, so beautifully said. So beautifully said. One big thing comes up from that uh, when you said, can't you see all the money I'm making? In my experience, I was deeply in the mindset that if I'm making the money and providing an awesome lifestyle, that yeah. everything else should be perfect at all times. And yes. that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, I've now learned. Well, hold on. Let me just say something. Yeah. That's an old program. And mm. 50 years ago, that was the truth. It might not have really been the truth, but that was a cultural paradigm that we have been passed down. And so we were still living in that, you know, that man 1.0, that man 2.0, whatever version of us that was. If you read any David Data, he talks about the general progression of the male consciousness and how in the 1950s, just to put food on the table and pay the rent, you were a good husband. Anything else outside of that, fuck off because you were doing the not... Not just the bare minimum, but what's required of you as a man. But now our partners expect more. So I interrupted the last gift of the gap because I had so much flow coming through. Um, you up for going in for a few breaths here and then I want Let's to go talk in. some more to that? Okay. Let's go in. Breathing in white light through the nose. And exhaling through the mouth or through the nose, all of this old programming that any old program you're getting rid of. So Daniel, when I met Kat, she was making money on her own. She was an independent woman. She had her own place. She had her own entrepreneurial venture and I said to her I said you can stop making money now I got us covered for life you never need to worry about making another dollar again you know those Disney movies man <laughs> I watched Lies. A lot of them. <laughs> and so did she so we've, uh, I'll call these the Disney programs but it's like the prince comes in swoops the woman off her feet and alright ride that for a bit it's fun um but it didn't last and we both realized that we had stepped into a, a trap that ended up being beautiful because we grew out of it 
what I want to share on this though is what I believe a lot of women today want is a man who, yes, provides financially and being a man that can provide in other ways to give her space to have her own forms of self-expression, to have her own entrepreneurial ventures, to have her own singing lessons, to have her own girls' night dates, to have her own ways of expanding is what I'm now seeing the one of the most beautiful things imaginable um, because we're both now making money. And when I give her space to go run on the beach and write a poem and go shopping and, and buy something cute for herself that she, she makes her money and goes and does all that, the, the space that she comes home with when I take the children, she's like the, the most reborn woman I've ever seen before. And we're currently building a, a course. Um, she's building the course. I'm helping out. It's her venture, her gig called Birth Ready, um, helping women nice. get all of their fear out to have epic at-home births. We had both our, our daughters were born at, born at home. Um, we followed some phenomenal protocols. So she's building that right now. And the level of her soul that has come alive, seeing this empowered version of her have the space to create, dude. It's simultaneously the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced for how she's showing up in the relationship in a whole different way. And it's threatening. I'm like, oh my gosh, she doesn't need me and my money anymore. I'm just about to ask about that. <laughs> she she can go do whatever she wants. Whoa, she's networking with other people. She's talking to something. Did you have a, a business phone call with another man? <laughs> like, <laughs> I have had to get in touch with myself, grab my friggin' beard by the horns, look in the mirror and be like, dude, it's okay. You're okay. I love you. I know you feel threatened. I know you feel scared because when that energy tries to crunch down and hold her from being or hold down any woman from being the kite that they want to be to be able to fly and know that their man is there, not only with the money, with some of the money, but a lot of emotional support. Um, it doesn't go well if you, if you try and put that, that container on. Man, I couldn't have said it better. And, and Sarah told me something that was interesting. It's funny. I'm just quoting my wife this whole show. So you, you can tell where the real wisdom is coming from. Sarah said, Sarah said, Sarah said, uh, and she's a woman of few words publicly. So whenever I quote her, people are like, wow, she really has a lot. I'm like, I even put up a quote on Instagram the other day. I said, um, what did I say? Because she, she called me out a couple days ago. Uh, I said, um, what did I say? Uh, I said, my wife has asked me to inform you that the majority of my philosophy, including my fascination with spirituality, psychedelics, and my approach to disregard hustle culture is actually her personality. She wishes to receive credit for my unoriginal insights you have all liked so much. Uh, because, so good, uh, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my like wisdom has just been me listening to her and like repackaging it through my own words. Um, but what she has said to me many times in the past is that, you know, we have very different uh, personalities. And this is the conversation we were having right before this call. Um, you know, and I am naturally uh, someone who is open to people. And my approach to communication is to be open to all. And if I find that someone's not a good fit, I will close off communication. Her, her strategy for communication, and this might fall in line with human design as well, is she is closed to communication, but she will open it. She will open a channel if she sees the right opportunity. You know, just like within human design, projectors ask to be invited, you know, um, and, and that has often, often uh, we've come to, you know, 
metaphorical blows over that because I'm just like, you know, I like people and they're coming into our space and we're enjoying being around others. And she's like, I like to protect this field, this energy. This is where I like to be. I don't like to have too many people that I don't know around me. And, um, you know, one of the things that she's told me in the past is that she feels like because of my uh, style with communication and my style with relationships, my ambitions, my building of different types of businesses and always going out and doing projects and talking to people, she says that oftentimes she feels like she's just getting to live in my world and she doesn't have a world of her own. Uh, and I've realized that, you know, it's not bad to have your to include your significant other in your world, but you also have to give them breathing room to create their own completely independent bubble, not under yours, but outside of yours and not suffocate them. And I don't know, you can speak on that as well. You have a big bubble. Dude, that's, that was my, I I pulled, I sucked cat into my vortex when we met. Mm -hmm. I'm the beard club Mm -hmm. guy. Yeah. I got this following. I got this fame going on come under my wing and we can fly together um so yes there's some overlap to be able to share your world with your partner and what i have experienced creating the most expansiveness in our relationship across all fields is giving her her own space to have her own world and working on any threats or fears that come up inside of me by giving her that space because the paradox is, is it brings a version of her that every day uh, like a growth like sure you have your down days but overall the trajectory is, is moving up like you might hit and then stop stop and then it's going up um, by giving that space so yeah I, I want to um, share a tool that I learned that's really epic that we, we use often and I did I did around $40,000 worth of psychotherapy with this one guy. It was the most intense thing I've ever gone through last year. He was very expensive, very talented, and I fast-tracked a lot of buried stuff in my my childhood that Kat and I did a few sessions together, but it was mostly my stuff. And the reason I'm saying the amount that I spent and the time that I invested like a year of doing this, uh, you know, two or three times a week um, for the, maybe actually it was more like six months, two or three times a week is because after I got this information from him and he taught me it well, I was basically like, Oh my gosh, I don't need to do any therapy anymore. This one golden key is going to unlock my relationship with my partner, with business, with friends for the rest of my life. So here it is. Um, there's a poem by Rumi and it's a, well, I'll say a snippet. And he says, how does it go out, out beyond wrongdoing and right doing? There's a field. I'll meet you there. I can't remember. That's, that's it. It's paraphrased a little bit. Yes. I love Um, that one. But basically when you have a feeling there's no more right and wrong, there's no more going back to the past and saying, yeah, but you did this. And then. And that makes you wrong. And then they go, yeah, you're right. I was wrong. Because wrong equals shame. The key here, and right equals false empowerment. The key is sharing your experiences and being able to hold the space. And what I mean is hold the space is while your partner is sharing their experience, 
You are standing there. Doesn't matter if you're triggered and you're not saying anything. You're just breathing and you're allowing them to share. Your face isn't going like this when you get triggered. You're not going like, did you just say that? There's no body language. You're just looking them in the eye with an open heart and you're letting them share their experience. Here is the framework for the languaging. It's all in the language. So you start off by saying, in my experience, that's the first part. The second part is you say, I feel, then you go into the emotion. In my experience, I feel or I felt. In my experience, I felt angry when you came home and you didn't tell me that you were going to stay out for an extra hour because I felt left hanging. So here's the difference. If you were to say, you came home um, and you didn't tell me and it was an extra hour, you know, where were you? That projects shame. That projects blame. That projects that your partner did something wrong. When you're vulnerably intimate with what you feel and you say in my, you have to get in tune with the emotion. So before you go in your head and you think of why you're feeling what you're feeling, find it in your body and go, do I feel sad right now? She stayed out an extra hour. Do I feel fearful that she was with someone else? Do I feel angry that she didn't communicate? You have to find that emotion first. Then you say, in my experience, I, I feel angry right now because you didn't communicate that you were staying out for an extra hour and the anger is going all throughout my body. The way that you end your sharing is you say, thank you for listening. Then your partner says, thank you for sharing or thank you for sharing your experience. Now the structure has been laid to be able to go in deeper because you didn't blame her. She doesn't have to defend herself and go, but wait, this is why I was out an extra hour. This and this and this and this happened through a state of fear, which is then giving you power to be able to jump above her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that happens is she then gets to then go, thank you for sharing. I could see why you're angry. Here's what happened on my end. I did this and this and that, and I forgot to tell you, and I'm sorry. A fight that could go into lasting days can literally dissolve like that. So the keys, again, to summarize, when you're sharing with your partner a feeling that comes up, you start with, in my experience, because it's your experience, it's not their experience, and there's no blaming, there's no shaming, there's no right, there's no wrong. Your feeling is simply your feeling. In my experience, I feel, because when you say, I feel anger, or you say, I felt scared, or you say, I I felt jealous, you will lift up the emotion in your own body, and you will be feeling it while you're telling her your experience. And because you're feeling your own experience, which is your own emotion, which you have to own, you won't be projecting it outwards onto them. Because when you share an experience and you're projecting it, it's almost impossible to stand there and not feel like you're getting energetically attacked. Then you end it off with saying, thank you for listening. They open up and say, thank you for sharing. And then the conversation continues. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is um, this has been stuff that you know we've learned similar versions of through therapy and through working with uh, different coaches as well. And I think it's really helpfully healthy to have a framework for discussing because um, it gives you a common language to to have these tough conversations with. And a lot of times, yeah, like you were saying, 
the, there isn't a need for the long drawn out grudge match that goes on for a whole week over something that goes unexpressed because oftentimes I felt maybe I just needed to be heard and I just need to feel like I was being received. And oftentimes if you're, if you're doing the thing where you're trying to put someone down and shame them and then they're defending, even when you win, you don't feel like you won because you're like, and that's why you're, that's why you should feel ashamed. That's why, yes. you know, you, you lost this. And so I'm continually grandstanding on it for days, you know, like it's like a battle that we're fighting, but there's no winner. 100% man. That's so beautifully said. Both people want to feel heard. Both people want to feel received. And another beautiful thing to do is to apply the gift of the gap. When your partner shares an experience or you share an experience and it's bringing up major league triggers, what Catherine and I often do is, hey, do you want to just hold hands and breathe for one minute before we reply? Sometimes I'll say, hey, I have something big to share right now. And after I'm done sharing it and I say, thank you for listening, I need you to not say anything for two minutes. And just sit there and please breathe because this could be fireworks. So you're about to get real close when you share something and you don't want it to explode. So that breath can allow the space to come in. Quick segue. Felt like it was pretty egotistical of me to say that I, what I spent on therapy and like put out the number and then offer this gift. Perhaps you want to cut that part of the episode out. If not, I'm going vulnerable right now to say I feel like there's a part of me that wanted to like show how cool I am for how much therapy I've done on like the opposite spectrum of feeling shameful for having done lots of therapy. And that's coming up. And I had to just say it live right here, dude. I'm feeling it now. Dude, I... (laughs) That tells you more about the rates of good therapy these days. I, we went to a couple <laughs> sessions and it was like 300 bucks for the hour. I was like, and he just sat there and listened for 50 minutes. I said, okay, I see, I see what's happening here. This is a great gig. You know, no, no, no hate either. But, you know, if you get in therapy in Santa Monica, it won't take long to rack up that type of bill. Um, Good chat. It's letting go now just from sharing that, dude. Thank fuck you. Fuck it. It's still entrepreneur time. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is that, uh, you know, just the whole exercise of holding your hands and breathing through as you're having a conversation. I'm laughing because that is something that our grandfathers would chuckle. They would just think that was absolute softyville, you know, because it's such a new, it, it, it's, it's new wave. As I've been saying, it's very new wave. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's not something that the, the typical male archetype even respects, you know, um, and, uh, and I'm wondering if you think that, to be a, a complete man in today's uh, society, do you think it's possible to maintain that like Marlon Brando, like streetcar name desire approach to life, like Stella and just like, you know, like just, do you think, do you think that type of man is extinct now? Do you think, cause I, I have to be honest, I'm being vulnerable now. Sometimes in the past, before I've seen that there is a real benefit to being vulnerable, I've wished that I could just be like it was or like I thought that it was in the 50s where it's just like, I'm making the money, shut up, get over here, like this is how it should be. And then I'm realizing, oh, that's not actually healthy and it's not actually good for me, but it, it would be easier to not share sometimes. It would be easier to not be vulnerable. It would be easier to just, you know, to just be like this like, you know, pro magnum, you know, just like, you know, ape. Because uh, it's so it's so like natural to the male mind. Do you think that that type of male can survive anymore? Or do you think that really to be your best, you have to move past that? 
hundred percent you have to move past that. This is a new new age that we're in. Um and you said softyville, you know, like don't go to softville as a man. I think being a soft man now is one of the most beautiful things you can ever be. Like, why is it okay to be a soft woman? And like a hard man wants a soft woman. No, I think soft partners want each other and soft is comfortable. Who the hell wants to go sleep on, you know, a hard pillow? Um, So yes, you know, you mentioned it before. David Data has an incredible book, The Way of the Superior Man. He talks Mm -hmm. a lot about this and being able to, to, become a superior man to your former self, not superior to other men. Um, it's, it's beautiful and it's, it's powerful and it's, it's where we're, I believe heading as a, a culture. Well, a couple of things as we wrap here, one, I wanted to mention that there's a, um, you know, a very, uh, like a, a note in the Tao that I love it talks about like the supple rod or the supple, the supple branch remains unbroken. And it's like, if something that's soft can't be snapped, you know, we learn this in jujitsu as well. It's like if you're too rigid, you open yourself up to being broken. You know, um, uh, Nicholas Nassim Taleb talks about this as well. If you're too uh, rigid as an archetype, you open yourself up to uh, being taken down. You know, this is even before cancel culture. Taleb talks about the idea of archetypes, how any any type of profession that has a uniform a police officer with the blue uniform, uh, you know, a politician with the suit, a doctor with a white coat. All those archetypes imbue certain types of characteristics they're supposed to have. And when you act outside of those archetypes, you're actually uh, opening yourself to ridicule, opening yourself to scrutiny, opening yourself to being broken down because you're outside of the what's expected. Whereas the artist doesn't have a uniform. The artist is fluid and flexible in their expression. Therefore, they can't be broken because there is no expectation. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, there's something, there's a tie in there with the Tao talking about the supple, uh, the supple branch remains unbroken, the, the flexibility of archetypes, knowing that archetypes can and should change. You know, there are different versions of the archetype. You know, even Batman changed his suit over the different, you know, the different variations of that series. So I think that it's okay to change. Uh, and, and just, this is completely left field, but we talked about this at the beginning of this. How does this all tie in vulnerability to the consumption and the overconsumption and the commoditization of pornography in the male diet and in just the diet of the media diet of the world? Initially, I wanted to talk about porn because I have done so much personal healing around it of how to extract your consciousness back out of where you've put your sexual energy. And I have some incredible exercises to do with it. And I'm realizing right now that when you ask that question, it's its its, it's, its own episode. So I'd love to shift one of these first 10 and let's call it, um, you know, recovering from porn. And, uh, and we'll do a full episode on porn because I have, dude, oh my gosh, it's, it's That's magical. A full it's a full one, dude. You basically, every fantasy you've ever had, the reason you watch porn, when you pull your consciousness back from porn, through exercises that I'll teach on that episode, and you become completely vulnerable in your relationship, everything you've ever wanted on the porn screen can be fulfilled in your own bedroom or on your own kitchen counter or other fun spots with the one person that you're with by going through this. So let's uh, let's do a full episode on that. That's quite that's quite a lead in. I'm I'm 
very curious to hear uh, what you have cooking around that. And I have some experiences to share as well. Um, this, I feel like, was its own uh, great introductory to um, the communication between uh, men and women. And, you know, I really loved hearing some of your personal experiences. Um, I didn't know that uh, Kat had also uh, uh, received a medal at the Olympics too. I knew that she swam in the Olympics. I didn't know she received a medal. That's really cool. Um, yeah, every every episode I, I get to learn more about you and I hope the audience is loving these conversations. Um, you know, as we've been doing for the past few, I think it's time for a flow. What do you think? Daniel, my man. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to jump into a rap because when I tap into this flow, I really like to go on a recap of the episode back down the road where we just were as you're getting closer to her because when you start to communicate, every day can be a first date. Just put out your hand, turn down the band in the subconscious mind and the programs will unwind because when you're vulnerable together, it doesn't matter what the weather is showing up as because the partners that you are can go so far. Learning to rise above all the noise in the back, head to the bedroom, and you'll be able to whack out all the noise that's in your nervous system buried down so deep from the time in your childhood when you weren't allowed to make a peep. Be each other's safe space. Look into her eyes and say with your face, I love you now, and I'm ready to be a new man. Take my hands, and let's walk to this new land. Hot five. You're going to have a record deal by the end of this show. Let's go. <laughs> Much love, I love that. When I said the whack, I, I wasn't going there, but I saw your reaction of where you thought it was going. We'll save that for the porn episode. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I threw it out there and reeled it back in. Yeah, you reeled it back in. This is PG. It's like a cliffhanger. Just, I didn't yeah, have to yeah. do a matrix around it. Yeah, you did a good matrix. Thank you. Um, Beautiful, man. I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, I, I can't wait for the audience to hear this. We have a lot more in store for you guys. We have, uh, you, you know, a whole plethora of topics lined up. Check into us on all the major platforms. This will be on Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere that your podcasts can be consumed. Until the next time, this is The Gift of the Gap. See you guys later. Thanks, Peace. guys. All right, my friends, I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode as much as we enjoyed recording it for you. Of course, that was my test episode with Chris Stoikos in our little mini show that we did, The Gift of the Gap. We just did a preview of all of three of the 10 episodes that we recorded for you over the past three weeks. If you liked them, please make sure you let me know, daniel at newwaveentrepreneur.com or hit me up on Instagram at Daniel DiPiazza. And of course, uh, you can go back and look at the, the, the feed of the different podcasts. You can listen to the ones you might have missed with between Chris and I. I think they're very good episodes. It's on Apple iTunes, Spotify, all that. And make sure that you like and subscribe and leave a comment on wherever you're listening to this on. And check it out at newwaveentrepreneur.com for all the most recent updates, get our workshops, and everything else in between. All right, guys, the water is warm, the tide is rising. So jump on in. Let's get ready to surf this new wave. Daniel out. Daniel out.